Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to David Locke. Coming up here momentarily, Locke's uh, appearance on the show, brought to you as always by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. Catch David on the call tonight. Tip-off will be at 5 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at, uh, wait, what did I say? 8 o'clock pre-game coverage begins at 7. Out from the plaza at Vivint Arena, Jazz Grizzlies game number two. Let's jump out to the zone phone. He is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He's our good friend, David Locke. What's going on, David? How are you, guys? We're great, man. Uh, how are you? Excited? Playoff time's fun. Let's get this one. Like, there was a wacky moment last night where you're watching the Lakers were down two, the Clippers were down ten, and I was like, oh, my gosh. In the next hour, the Clippers and Lakers could be, like, on life support. And, like, Portland's going to beat Denver. And you, like, your final four felt like it was going to be Phoenix, Dallas, Portland, Utah. And you were like, I, I mean, like, Oh, my. It didn't quite happen that way. The Lakers actually reminded us why they're so good in the next, like, few minutes after that. Um, the Clippers did not. But, it, you know, it felt like the door here, our door's not open yet, and it felt like the whole door was opening for them. So uh, it was kind of a crazy moment last night. we got to get the win tonight, though, or it all doesn't matter. Before we get back to the Jazz, David, uh, Jake and I have been talking about the Clippers. What What's your interpretation of what's happening there? Well, they really couldn't defend last night. Um, I think Dallas's offensive rating was like a 130 in the first half and a 120 for the game. Um, I'm sorry to do this, but my I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you things I do know and try to give you great insight, but I, I'm not comfortable that I have watched them closely enough or have a or what I, I really watched a lot of that Laker Phoenix game with the Clipper game on it multiple sets, but I didn't watch it in a way to, like, I couldn't be honest and have an answer for you. Okay. I appreciate the candor. David, a lot has happened uh, since Sunday night. Um, wanna get really? Your, yeah, I want to get your thoughts on the Donovan Mitchell saga and really take this wherever you want to go, but what do you think about what's transpired over the past few days? So, you know, I'm not, I've been in the league for 25 years. Uh, maybe more, but I don't want to admit it, so I think I might be at 28. Um, I mean, I've never seen someone come off an injured list, talk to the media, and then be deemed unplayable. That You know, you just don't see that. So it was certainly uh, – uh, that was, I think, had an impact on the game. I think it screwed up our guys a little bit. Um, and then I've never had a player hold a press cut. seen a player really – not never, but that 
we need to sash him down and how it was quite something. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we I felt mean, the same thing. I mean, I, I'm sure that that's happened before. But honestly, like, that hasn't happened a lot of times where the guy's going to go play the next day for the team, right? You hear that kind of press conference on the way out. So, you know, whatever happened, I, I, I'm not breaking news here. It, it wasn't smooth. Um, and I'm sure everyone who's involved has the reason on why it happened. And I'm sure everybody involved um, probably, you know, had a had a reason for what they were doing and think that they, had, you know, that there was justified. And the fact of the matter is, the guy who was most important was left really mad, and that's bad. Is Donovan Mitchell the most? How should I say this? Is he the most powerful individual in the organization other than the owner? Um, well, I don't know. Why would it be other than the owner? I assume the owner is all-powerful. Why? Because he owns the team. So when Kawhi Leonard wants something, who's more powerful, Kawhi Leonard or Steve Ballmer? I would still go with Steve Ballmer. And by the way, it's a governor, not an owner. We want to get parlance correctly. Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I, it's a, you know, I I think it's a. I think sport, you know, great players are really powerful, um, and your best players are really powerful because if you lose them, they're not your best player anymore. So I don't know who's more powerful. Um, I mean, that, it's an interesting debate. Like, so, like, I, I don't really want to. I don't think there's a lot of, you know, W's to earn from this. But, you know, so Donovan and Rudy are more powerful than whom? And if they want something, do they get it? And is that, you know, healthy or not? I mean, the beauty of Rudy is he lets Quinn really coach him. I think it's the beauty of Donovan too. Rudy specifically, you know, they really. You know, he's one of these superstars that's allowed, you know, willing to be coached. Um, you know, it's interesting you're hearing the grumbles out of New Orleans that they didn't love, you know, Van Gundy telling him how bad they were all the time. Well, you know, the guys, like, I could have told you that when Van Gundy took the job that that wasn't going to work out very well. It didn't work in Detroit. Players don't like to hear that. So, um, I, I don't know the answer to your question of, you know, who's the most powerful I mean, obviously, in a sense, the owner, or the governor, I guess, is the most powerful because he has the strings. But on the other end, like, Ryan Smith can do whatever he wants. If Donovan determines he wants out, like, Donovan's getting out. Like, we haven't had a, you know, if Rudy Gobert decides he wants out, he's getting out. We, there's not been a player that has announced they're leaving the organization that has stayed yet in, like, 20 years, maybe 30 years. So... Let me follow it up with, do you think this kind of dispute or confrontation uh, has the danger in it to move it (laughs) to to a more dramatic situation? So there's no way to know that. Um, And in this, it's very hard to talk about something general with this specific situation taking place right now, right? So generally in Is there a track record that disputes of this nature can linger? Sure, there's track record of that. Well, this one, I have no idea. Doesn't doesn't seem like Donovan was 
looking backwards in that press conference, I would say his main point of that press conference was that he was looking forward and, you know, wanted to be with his guys. You know, we lose the series, and we need, you know, is there a blame game that happens? I don't know. But, like, so let's go win tonight and not have to worry about it. A little bit, three more after that. David Locke is with us, and uh, I want to let's go back to the the game itself here for a moment. David, I'll run a scenario by you. Um, after what we saw in Game One, let's say the Game Two or any game in the series really is close. It's coming to let down to the last few minutes in the fourth quarter. The Jazz need a stop. John Morant has the ball. What's the best way to get a stop? You know, Valanciunas is a beast, and so when Valanciunas rolls to the rim. He's going to occupy Rudy. Like, that's a real issue in this series because it's it's awfully hard to have. We're small, and so you're going to ask at that point, either depending on where people are spaced on the floor, a smaller player to try to occupy Valanciunas, that's going to be tough. And if you look at John Morant's statistics, they're actually better when he's a facilitator than a shooter. You know, he's not a – He's made that floater against the Warriors, the Jazz, in key minutes, and it seems like a fairly, you know, less than difficult shot from six feet out. You're going to obviously try to bother it more. There's directions in which you'd like to point him. Uh, he shoots much more on one side of the floor than the other. Um, I believe he shoots dramatically more on the left side than the right side. So you'd probably like to try to get him away from that side if you can, and you're going to have to make him uncomfortable. But I, I, I don't know on the course of things, how far you can bring Rudy out to bother him because then Valanciunas is being guarded by a mini and that's not that could that's not gonna end well on a miss. David, let me ask you something about Donovan Mitchell that I know you've studied and you can give us some sort of statistical information on it. What is it that Donovan Mitchell brings to the table against the Memphis Grizzlies that's so important to this their success? How long do we got? <laughs> as long as you want to take. So, first one is the off-the-bounce three. It was five of seven on the off-the-bounce three against Memphis. They're going to drop the big. Rudy gets a hit on a guard, uh, and he has the ball in his hand. He, he, that's a shot that will be available to him. Um, and he was, you know, very good in the two games he played against Memphis with that. Uh, specifically with Donovan still having the ball in his hands, he brings a wiggle. When he, uh, in pick and rolls in which Valanciunas was involved and Donovan had the ball in the regular season, he scored about point and a half of possession or something crazy. Um, that's because as good as Valanciunas is, and as much as I just say it's praises, he is fairly static. And so he causes Joe Ingles a great deal of problems because he's big and long, and Joe doesn't have a lot of wiggle, and Mike is he's so big he causes Mike problems, but Donovan has that wiggle. And Valanciunas is not going to be able to go side to side with Donovan. The third thing he does, he brings a second ball handler on the floor at all times. The stretch of the game to me that was the most interesting where I thought we really lost the game, <clears throat> there's an eight uh, possession sequence where Joe Ingles is on the floor without Mike Conley. And, you know, for whatever reason, Joe Ingles does not touch the ball for eight possessions other than he touches it for a brief second on a soft pass from Jordan that he has to get rid of or he shoots. I can't remember which, but he, he hold, touches the ball for less than a second for eight straight possessions. 
he should have been the primary ball handler on those possessions without Donovan and without Mike Conley. Now, was Jordan wanting the ball? Was Dylan Brooks denying Joe? Was Joe not making? I don't know the reason why, but to me that was the main sequence. In that sequence with Donovan, Donovan's on the floor. Or Don, or Mike's on the floor in that time period. And there's another ball handler on the floor that will, so that if Joe's not touching the ball, at least they're getting something out of it. Um, so to me, that's maybe the biggest thing. He brings, he brings another ball handler. He also brings just unabashed one-on-one ability to beat somebody. And, you know, we don't actually have that. Like Boyan's in like the 17th percentile of all isolation people. Joe's not a good isolation player at all. Jordan's pretty good at that, so you can do some of it with Jordan. But, frankly, people are so well-prepared for Jordan. And Jordan's got something like 155 isolations this year and 20 passes. And teams know it. If I know it, they know it. So, he's, you know, Jordan needs a little variety in that for the playoffs to relieve some of that burden on him right now. It opened things up for him. And so as you start to kind of play through these, Donovan is just vital. Every key moment of that game – to me, when I went back through it, I mean, Jordan and Joe had two of the least good games I've seen them play. Jordan particularly had, you know, the last time I've seen Jordan have a game that bad was the first half against Golden State. He dropped, you know, 80 in the second half. Like, it's not who Jordan is to be have an off game like that. It just happened. Was it because everything was so screwed up before the game? Maybe. I don't know. But every single time I look back, 54-50, we're making a run. Crowds into it. Mike Conley gets his fourth foul. Donovan's on the floor. We keep rolling. Um, there's just a bunch of those moments in time, that sequence I just talked about. where So the list is endless on what Donovan uh, does for the Jazz. The other thing is he occupies Dylan Brooks. Like Dylan Brooks is going to guard Donovan. So now Joe can come get the ball, and Jordan Clarkson can come get the ball, and Mike Collins being guarded by a not-as-good defensive player. And, you know, with multiple pick-and-roll ball handlers, you probably get John Moran to pick-and-roll instead of Dylan Brooks, and they're not as good with John Moran standing in a pick-and-roll as Dylan Brooks. Is that enough? That's uh, that's good. I mean, like, we, we're missing our best offensive player. Like, it, it matters. David Locke like, is... The Knicks, without, the Knicks without Julius Randle get swept. Atlanta without Trey Young gets slept, swept, right? They're not great teams. But even on the top of it, like, other than Brooklyn... Like, I don't think, you know, Philadelphia's without Giannis or their best offense player, Chris Middleton, they're, you know, or Giannis, either one, they, they, they don't win those first two games. David, I know you've talked about this a lot, but I want to go back there one more time because I think it's so important. But Donovan comes back into the lineup. What does that do when Joe Ingles goes back to the bench and they can get the rotation that was so successful for them in the middle of the year? So the Jazz, at the end of the first quarter, into the second quarter, run a lineup that's Mike Conley with Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, George Niang, and Rudy Gobert. Think about that lineup for a second. It's two All-Stars, two six-men of the year, and a 43% three-point shooter. It's the last one, great. I think it's about plus 18 or plus 19 for 100 possessions. We've won game, we win most of our games from the first quarter, the second quarter. Um, and those, that... Or we win it at the end of the third, into the fourth. That's when we win our game. So that lasts the floor. Fact is, that lineup with Mia Oni instead of Joe Ingles in the first uh, stint was plus 10 in the first quarter, plus 6 in the second quarter. They were plus 16 when they were on the floor, and then they never really got back in the floor in the same rhythm because of foul trouble in the third, and they fell apart to open the fourth when they did get back on finally. Uh, so 
we never even had it. The other thing about Memphis that not enough people are talking about is their starting lineup in the final 11 games of the season with Jaron Jackson was a plus 19. Their four main lineups that have John Morant on the floor are all over plus 11 for 100 possessions. This team is really good. Their weakness is when John Morant goes off the floor and Tyus Jones runs the show and they're short on some pieces. That's the same time unless Taylor Jenkins, who is the most underrated coach, he's so good, uh, does something differently. That's going to be our best lineup against their least good lineup, which is what's happened in most games this year when we've had success. David And... After all that, Jake Scott, I realized I don't know a number I need. Okay. I've done more prep, and if you'd like to come see the 26-page book on Jazz Notes <laughs> for this series, I believe you're it. welcome to at the booth. But I just realized I need a new number, and I'll go get it a little bit. And that's what that lineup did against the Grizzlies. Oh, except I won't have it's only one game because Donovan didn't play the third game and Mike didn't play the second. So never yeah, mind. Yeah. I got every number I need. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, David, do you type that thing out, or do you just uh, handwrite it? Uh, it's all typed out, and there's two versions of it. There's the mass manifesto, which is built for every playoffs, and then there's the reduced version, which you, you has the three things on every player I want to get into the broadcast tonight, and then the other stuff only gets into the broadcast if it comes up and is pertinent multiple times. But you yeah. have it easily if you need it. Can you work it in there that uh, Grayson Allen looks like a young tent Cruz? Oh, here we go. Tim Cruz? Ted Cruz. He looks like a young Ted Cruz. Really? You th- you don't think so? You don't see that? I've thought that ever since All he was the research a you do, David, and you miss that. You miss that? Come on. There's certain people I like not to think about. <laughs> and he's one of them. And wait, yeah, Grayson or Ted. <laughs> Good point, Austin. <laughs> you guys, knock it off now, will you? Hey Grayson, he, he's turned into a good player for Memphis. Yeah, yeah he's, he's he plays an important role. David, let, let me ask you about the this whole thing. We saw Memphis in that game one, sort of get in the Jazz's face a little bit, a little physicality, but some trash talk as well. What's your opinion on that? What's the best way for the Jazz to show that they're tough uh, without getting in foul trouble? I don't know the answer to this question. I think it's a really interesting question. Like, how do you go out and be physical but not lose who you are? Like, there's a play that, like, there's a play that happened in the game the other night, and you could, like, I totally interpret it one way, and as I was doing that, I would suddenly realized, like, oh, wow, everyone could interpret this differently. So I think John Morant gets a steal and takes it down the left side of the floor, coast to coast for a layup. Dylan Brooks sprint out sprints the Jazz on the play as well as there in case he misses it. Joe Ingles is coming back to get the ball to, for the inbound. And Joe Ingles kind of goes out of his way to elbow Dylan Brooks as he comes back the other way. I hate it. Shows me Joe's not thinking about the next play. He's bothered by Dylan Brooks. He's trying to find a way to get a hit on him. He's not, in my mind, I don't know, I'm not a player. Joe could tell me I'm totally full of crap on this. He's not thinking about what he's about to go do to stop their run. Now, the flip side, someone could say, is Dylan Brooks has been punking him all night. Joe got an elbow in on him as a way to say, you can't punk us. 
Joe did it in a way he didn't get a foul, and the message was set. So I have no idea, Gordon. I could be 100% wrong in my analysis of that, and someone else would see the exact same play and say, that's totally right. But here's what I do know. On the opening play of the game, Dylan Brooks met Joe Ingles at a half court and bumped him full-on chest to shoulder right out of the beginning. And then Ingles came down the middle of the floor and Valanchunas bumped Joe. And then Joe started his route and he got bumped again by Dylan Brooks. And by the time he caught the ball, he was 43 feet away from the basket. And he should have been 30 feet away from the basket. So I don't give a crap about anything other than catching the ball where you're supposed to. I don't know what you have to do. I've never played NBA. I've never had guys doing that to me. But the fact of the matter is you've got to be forceful enough that you don't lose the angles on every single play. Worth noting, Joe Ingles buried a three on the play I'm talking about. So that might really be the answer to all this is hit your dang shots. Well, with that, David, uh, we appreciate you jumping on the show as always. And, hey, look forward to see you. I'm going to come by and check out the manifesto. I'm going to get a good look at that. I don't, I don't know if you guys are going to ever let me back. <laughs> you basically asked me five questions. I told you I didn't know on four of them. It talked for like 13 minutes on the other. <laughs> it was good. No, 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 it was good. I oh. could be a, I could be it. I could be an NBA GM with answers like that. <laughs> Did I hear a rumor that you're going to be up here with us for uh, for games three and four? Jake, it's so great to talk to you. Thanks for making me so happy. No, I I, I, I say that because you usually bring good dinners when you join us. Oh, here. nice. <laughs> you're a good teammate, will, David Locke. I will bring you dinner again, I promise. All right, buddy. Well, I'll get you. If you're going to be up here for a couple games, we'll... We'll 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 have some fun. I unfortunately think we are calling playoff games from a radio studio in television. Hey, it's a it's a weird world, man. You guys have done a great job this year. You really have. The broadcast still sounds great, and I know uh, you know it's it's lacking because there's just no replicating uh, you guys being there. But uh, I do think you guys have done a terrific job. I will I will say this: the other night was the most fun I've had in so long doing the game. I think it was. An incredible night for us, the healing out of the pandemic as a state, as a union, as a nation to have 15,000 people in mixed games and everywhere else. Coming out, that was the most fun. Um, I said this the other night, day on one of our shows, and I like curse the broadcasters should never say this. Like, I went back and actually listened. I thought we were good. I haven't thought we were good. It was just such a great night the other night. I know we didn't win, but just in the bigger picture of Utah society, normalcy, or whatever the new normalcy is, I thought that was just an incredible night. The crowd was amazing. The energy was fabulous. I loved it. I had, I had the best time here. You're here. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, David. <laughs> David Locke. And, of course, his appearance brought to you each and every week by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. We'll get to more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.